When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Clear Ice Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. This is an episode-by-episode look at the award-winning TV show Friday Night Lights created by Peter Berg. I'm Stacey Oristano. I played Mindy Collette Riggins. And I'm Derek Phillips, and I play Billy Riggins. Our assumption is always that you, our gentle listeners, have already watched the show. But if you haven't already, go watch Friday Night Lights, which is currently streaming on Netflix and Peacock TV, because there will be spoilers in our podcast. Hey, you guys, we got merch. Stacey is correct. We have got merchandise. We've got hats. We've got hoodies. We've got T-shirts. We've got mugs. And you can find all that stuff at www.cleareyesfullheartspod.com. Once again, that's cleareyesfullheartspod.com. Every few weeks, we'll do an audience participation episode just to answer your burning questions. So email us what you want to know at cleareyesfullheartspod at gmail.com. Today, guys, we're talking about season one. Episode 11, Never Mind. It was written by Elizabeth Heldens and directed by Jonas Pate. Here we go with the NBC synopsis. Matt's dad returns from Iraq, but the homecoming is not what Matt expected. Smash becomes more dependent on unnatural substances to keep up with the competition, and Jason and Lila begin to rekindle their relationship. This is a big episode for most of our main characters, but before we get into the highlights of the show, we do want to have just a little chat. Stacey and I are going to have a little (laughs) chat. We're going to answer some fan questions. So stick around. Right off the bat, I am a little quizzical and confused. Um, Smash becomes more dependent on unnatural substances to keep up with the competition. I'm assuming absolutely that happened with Smash, but he was not in this episode except for once to jump up on a bench. So that was um, a little confusing. It's possible because this did happen on Friday Night Lights. And it does happen on every show. It's not just a Friday Night Lights thing. But we would shoot 60-minute episodes and it would be 60 minutes And then we got to cut it down to 45 minutes for network television. And so sometimes storylines were cut. Sometimes people were cut from episodes. Also, you guys, I don't know if you remember, but two episodes I told you this show was directed by Josh Pate. And this one is directed by Jonas Pate. Not only brothers, but twin brothers. I think around my age, those guys had boundless energy when they were on set and so, so, so much fun to be around. This episode, first time I've ever seen it, big, big fan. I, 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 genuinely enjoyed this episode. So much of the stuff that happened with Jason in this episode is reminding me of the charity that FNL worked with directly through Beyond the Lights, the golf tournament that Kyle and Brad did. But all of us from the show work with this charity and it is Gridiron Heroes. And guys, if you are interested in learning more, it's gridironheroes.org. I did talk to Eddie and Chris. Let me just interject real quick for our fans at home who may not know who Eddie and Chris are. Chris Canales was a high school football player who was injured in in a football game and broke his neck and is now paralyzed. And for the first couple of months or weeks after uh, the injury had happened, there was a a level of depression, obviously, that set in. But he eventually went to his dad and they, they were at another high school football game and they saw another kid wind up getting injured. And that kid also wound up getting paralyzed. And at that point in time, Chris said, dad, we've got to do something. So if you're looking for 
a new something to donate to, or if you're interested in this cause, which is it's a spinal cord injury foundation, and they provide immediate and long-term resources and support to individuals sustaining spinal cord injuries through activities associated with high school football. The stuff they do is amazing. We're definitely going to have Eddie and Chris on at some point. But if you just want to check out what they do, please go to gridironheroes.com. Yeah, and, and Eddie and Chris were kind of like fixtures on the Friday Night Light set. So if you like people are like, so what was it like backstage or, or, you know, behind the scenes? Like those guys were around a lot. I mean, like they were like pretty much, I mean, I don't want to say every day, but a lot of the time. So it was like they were like part of the cast or part of the crew. They were always on set with us and hanging out with us and they became part of the family as well. So yeah, if you if you have the means, please go check out their website and see if there's anything you can do to, to help them out. Yeah, what made me think of it was we see the van that the streets now have, which is handicap accessible, which is something that they do for families. Just like all the things that you have to change in your life. Yeah, there was Beyond the Lights, which was a, a golf tournament that we, we had spoken about earlier that was a charity event. And I remember we'd raised enough money for a kid who was recently disabled. He and his, his mom, we got them a minivan. And it was just such a cool moment to see the expression on these guys' eyes. It just made their life a little bit easier in the midst of all that craziness. On a brighter note, I have two questions for you, Derek. These come from, and I hope I'm saying your name right because you were so lovely. And thank you for sending me a message from Saskia in Perth, Australia. I hope I said your name right. If not, write me and tell me that I'm a dum-dum. Derek, (laughs) what do you think Tim is doing these days? What do I think Tim is doing these days? I think Tim has built his property and I I think maybe he's working as a you think he's working as a coach? Ooh. You think he's coaching? I think maybe Billy and Tim are both coaching. What if Billy and Tim are coaching opposite like posing high schools? I'm at East Dillon or or Dylan Prep. D- Dylan Prep. What God Dylan What are they calling Dylan what are they calling Dylan? Just Dylan, right? I don't know. I don't know. Um, he would be yeah. a ruthless coach. I wonder I, I mean there's a part of me that thinks that maybe he and and Tyra did get together I like to in the think end? so. I don't know. I, I'd like to think that. Well, that goes into you know. her next question, which is, do you really think Tyra became a politician? Not if she marries Tim. Although nowadays, I mean, I feel like a lot of things go. I'm not going to get into politics, but I feel like a lot of these politicians have some uh, shady past. So yeah, maybe. Oh, you just got controversial. <laughs> that's not controversial to say that politicians have shady past. Shady I think that's universal. I think that's a universal comment on politicians. And I, we will not be getting political on this show. I always like to think of her following Tammy's footsteps, too, that maybe she goes into some sort of like social work to help other other kids like her. Yeah. We, ugh, we're going to as soon as we when we get Taylor on and when we get any back, we'll ask them these questions. Yeah, because I, I I hope she, there's a part of me that hopes she didn't become a politician. I agree. You know, I that do. She is because I think that there's better ways to give back to the community immediately just by being on the ground, like kind of a boots on the ground person. And yeah, it, it's there's that part of me that thinks that they kind of ended up like Tammy and coach. They're the new Tammy That's exactly and coach. what I think. Like if he's coaching and she's a guidance counselor or a principal even of the school. I don't know. Maybe we're just being yeah. silly because we're there are siblings. <laughs> you and I are just poor and raising children and being ridiculous. <laughs> Probably. Probably. I, I, as I said before, somebody asked me that question, where do you think Billy is now? And I'm sure <laughs> Billy's running some kind of underground poker game somewhere. He's doing something, something vaguely illegal. illegal. There's always something that's on the cusp of I- illegal. It may not be technically illegal, but it's right on. It's right. And on Mindy's the board. right there supporting you one hundred percent. Of course, one hundred percent. Okay, let's talk about the episode. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. To start out, we're seeing Jason have a really, really tough time adjusting to life back home. And I have to tell you, I like seeing this side of Jason. Before the accident, he was so perfect and everything was exactly the way it was supposed to be. And he was so nice. And there's something about this side of him. I hate that it happened to him and I hate what he's going through. But this angsty teen side, I relate to that. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because I kind of feel the same exact way that you do. (laughs) I mean... Yeah, he was kind of this perfect kid and everything. Uh, I I don't want to see him struggle with the things that he's struggling with, but some of that wise beyond his years, it's like, no, it's still a kid dealing with kid stuff. So there is almost a little bit of a temper tantrum that happens when he's looking for this this CD that's- He wants his Nirvana CD, right? We all want our Nirvana CD. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Which takes me into my next thought. Who is CD shopping before school? Cool. Okay, we don't know that it's before school. It could be a lunch oh, break. Oh. Yeah, that's right, Stacy. I knew you were going to ask that question. I knew you were going to say that. And I was like, you know what? She's kind of right. Because <laughs> I, I was watching it and I was, I was like, where are they? How are these kids not in school right now? Because Lila does say, or she's with some friends and they're like, we got to get back. Or we're it, miss if class. she says we have to get back to class, then maybe you're right. And my theory is all shot. I don't know if they said get back to class. I think you're right. Listen, I think I had to be at school at like 7 or 7.30 in the morning. There were no CD shops open before then. That's all I'm saying. No, definitely not a CD shop open. But I was allowed when I was in high school, we were allowed to have lunch off campus. We got lunch off campus. I mean, always. No one ate at school. Like once you had a car, you got the heck out of Dodge. After I left school, I went to a giant high school. The year after Mm -hmm. I left, because there was was so many kids leaving and there were actually a couple car accidents because teenagers drive like crazy people. Mm. There were kiosks that got put into my school and they had a Chick-fil-A and a Taco Bell inside my high school, keeping it, keeping it super healthy. That was a crazy thing. All through school, like we had soda machines everywhere. So, I mean, just sucking down Coca-Cola is 24 seven, real healthy. Okay. Jason and Lila, these kids with their crazy on again, off again, will they, won't they romance? Jason says, I can't feel anything. And again, there's that moment of just pure embarrassment and and watching him struggle with this. And I wonder, like, isn't that, is that something that he's known or is this something that comes and goes? And again, I like can't ask him because he's not a real person, but these are thoughts that I have. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder when he says, I can't feel anything, if he's talking about in this moment, he's not feeling it or if in general he can't feel anything. And if that's the case, wouldn't he have known that before? You're very deep today. I don't know how I feel about this. Making me a tiny bit uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm always deep, Stacy. I'm sorry that you've never noticed it until. Oh, now. you guys! I don't know if I like this. <laughs> okay, next, next. We're moving on. Sometimes when I'm in like a an emotional mood, I will fall into a rabbit hole of watching videos of soldiers coming home to their families. And so, always a soldier coming home is going to make me cry. So the minute that Matt looks outside and sees that his dad is here, I start crying. Yeah, until we find out who this particular soldier is. But here's something that I thought was kind of cool is grandma keeps saying your dad's out front and Matt keeps ignoring her and, and maybe moving forward, 
is it possible that she's she's more aware than we think she is? I mean, maybe she says when, when she says water the children, there's something deeper there. Okay, now now I think you've crossed the line. I'm too deep. It's too deep. I don't really think that that's what's going on, but I did think that that was kind of a cool moment. Like she keeps going, your father's outside. Go help him with his bags. And he's like, what are you talking about? And we're all, I think, as an audience going, what are you talking about? Grandma Saracen's having another water the children moment. And of course, when he goes outside, there's his dad. That casting, Brent Smiga plays Matt's dad. God, the two of them next to each other look like father and son. That is good casting. Here's an interesting little side note about Brent is when I was auditioning for Billy, as I told you guys early on in this, uh, they weren't sure if Billy was going to be a brother or a father. And so when I was auditioning, I actually met Brent, who was auditioning to play Billy if Billy would have been a father. And as it turned out, I got Billy as a young man, and he got to play uh, Saracen's father, which is kind of cool. I'm very happy it played out the way it did, and I thought he was great as uh, Saracen's dad. I would have happily been married to either of you, but I'm glad it's you. Wait a minute. You got to decide here. Okay, I'm happy. All right, great. All right, let's move on. I love watching Tim try to pull his Riggins charm on Tammy, thinking that he could smooth talk his way and be cute and charming his way out of like not doing homework. I just, I love this scene because I I think it's one of the first times on the show that we've actually seen Taylor. Like there's, this is like the Taylor I know coming through in Tim. You know what I mean? That kind of, he's got that boyish charm. He's he's always kind of grinning. and. I think the writers kind of picked up on a little bit of who Taylor is as a person and started writing to that a little bit. Yeah, and Tammy is not having it. <laughs> What's the Scarlet Letter about? It's it's about a gal named Scarlet. Tammy's got this great line here where she says, it's part of my job to make sure that you don't grow up stupid. It's bad for the world. <laughs> this is why I wonder about like, Tim, Tim coaching children and like being around kids. Is that what's best for the world? Maybe. I don't think so. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. I don't know. But yeah, dude, that's the scene. It's just. It's gold. Well done. It is gold. As I said, on, on a TV show, sometimes it takes a little time for the writers to kind of figure out who the actors are. And then when this is when the show starts to gel, yeah. they start to go, oh, okay. This is what this guy does well. Boom. And they just start serving. You start to read scripts and you're like, oh, this is great. I can't wait to sink my teeth into this. Oh. And I think you'll see more and more of that moving forward with, with some there's, of the storylines. There's a lot Taylor. of that in this episode. And going to the brotherly relationship that I'm still so in love with of Herc and Jason. And Jason just flat out, Herc, how do you have sex? I love their honesty. I love that Herc has been through it and could give him some nuggets of truth. I love that Jason has a confidant. Herc's got this great line in here where he finds out that the person that Street was trying to mess around with was Lila. And he goes, of course your ding-dong went soft. It was trying to protect you. <laughs> it just makes me crack up every time I hear that line. But like in a in a Derek deep space. What's that? Probably a little true. Yeah, probably. The next thing we have is Tammy and Tim go to the library and they find Landry and Tammy basically forces Landry to be Riggins tutor and thus begins the epic Landry and Riggins comedic duo gold the new age <laughs> abbott and costello i i am in <laughs> full-on love i hope landry gets extra credit or money or something for his time the time that he spent with tim i hope landry gets something out of it what are you talking about get something out of it he gets to be with tim riggins that's all landry wants is to be around cool people until later in the episode yes coach is named one of the top 10 high school coaches in the state of texas Texas is huge, y'all. I can't even 
think about how many high schools are in Texas. That is a giant feat. But I do believe they said up and coming coaches. But still top 10. Yeah, no, it's still good on you, coach. So I well wonder done. if that's like top 20, maybe. Well, I mean, he's coaching a top-notch 5A school that's, that's you know, potentially up for state championship that has, has rebounded after losing their superstar starting quarterback. You mean Voodoo Tatum? He lost Voodoo Tatum? No. Voodoo's gone. We don't talk about Voodoo anymore. Let's move just, on. I was just saying, Jeez. he lost his star quarterback. We're talking about Jason Street, not Voodoo Tatum oh, here. But yes, he also lost Voodoo Tatum. Sorry. <laughs> and then um, Matt's dad is at the practice, which I thought was actually very, very sweet. Until he starts talking to coach and he says, yeah, I didn't know he had it in him. I just, ouch, dad. Ouch. This whole entire dynamic is really hard to watch. I don't think his father has a clue just how resilient this kid is and, and how strong Matt is. I mean, he has no expectations for his son. And I can only imagine that this is exactly why Matt stutters and why he's got this insecurity. I watch this scene and I want to grab his father and be like, do you have any idea what this kid's life is like? And he doesn't, though. That's, he doesn't know what he's dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Then we cut over to Landry, who's hanging up signs for his band. Would you like to do the honor, Stacey, and tell us what the name Cruci- of the band Victorious. is? Victorious. I love you so much, Crucifictorious. Yes. So this is the first time that we actually hear about Crucifictorious. I mean, we've, we've known that he's in a band before this, but we didn't know that it was called Crucifictorious, right? Oh, the, <laughs> uh, the other, the name that he wanted to name it was stigmata lingus but i guess the other members of the band knocked that one down and they ended up with crucifictorious but i i i'm kind of yeah. in love with stigmata lingus julie says do we have to go to this and matt's like if we don't go i don't really think anyone else is going to be there <laughs> so they're kind of forced into going to see crucifictorious play live at their first after the broken game. spoke which i know is in dillon texas but the broken spoke in austin texas y'all is a landmark two-step and country club that like if you ever do go to Austin you have to go to Broken Spoke it's just a, it's like a written rule and I'd recommend if you go go with Stacy and Annie because it was really like I remember oh. walking in there one night and every head in the place turned around and they looked at these two women who are both like way taller than me on top of we're it. very tall yeah they look at these two women and then they looked over at me like how what <laughs> why like the looks on these guys face it was it was priceless I've never felt so cool in my life walking into any place with these two women because it was like the music stopped. They saw the two of you and then looked at me and it was the math just it didn't add up. That's not true at all, but it's very sweet. But all of the men there know how to know how to two step. And it's it's very, very fun. And it's just a dance. And then they say, thank you, ma'am. And then they leave you alone. It's great. That was something that was really kind of cool about the Broken Spoke. I remember that because they would. They'd walk over and be like. Mm-hmm. And I have this dance and they take you guys out there, dance with you and then come right back. Nothing, not trying to be, you know, untoward no, or, or rude or gross or anything. It was just a dance. Landry and Riggins <laughs> on the benches. And Landry is trying to figure out why he wants that the book, listen, of Mice and Men, it's not a very long book. It's a fairly quick read. And Landry looks at him and says, oh my God, you can't read, can you? And right before he said that, I was having intense Jordan Catalano flashbacks from my so-called life. And I said to myself, oh God, Riggins can't read. Interesting that you say Jordan Catalano from My So-Called Life, because mm-hmm. as we know, Jason Kadams was the head writer on My So-Called Life. So there are some Jordan Catalano similarities. And for those of you who don't know, Jordan Catalano was played by Jared Leto back in the day. And that was Jason Kadams' first foray really into high school drama. 
which he's there kind of a master. There are some mirrors there. He's he's brooding. He's got the long hair that's always in his face. But Jordan Coletta would never be cut dead on a football team. I remember like senior year of high school and freshman year of college, like every girl, like you go into a girl's dorm room when I was in school and they were like Jordan Catalano. Everyone's first crush. Absolutely. That show changed my life. She was turning, what was it, 16 at the exact same year I was turning 16. And I was like, mom, just watch this show and you'll understand what I'm going through. And I'm going to listen to Smashing Pumpkins now. (laughs) Bye. It like spoke to my soul. Then... Coach and Tammy and coach says to Tammy, you got to give Riggins a pass for two games because they're about to make it to playoffs and just coach. Yikes a bee, first of all. Yikes. Here's the deal. I don't know the coach actually says you got to give him a pass, but he is kind of like, could we maybe take the pressure off just a little? And then immediately when he's saying it, he knows that the, the backlash is coming. But again, <sighs> I'm just sitting here thinking Tammy's right. Again, always right. And I wonder, since I haven't seen a lot of this show, she ever wrong very rarely if if ever and then there's a phone call with interesting coach being qb coach at ut in the state of texas that is a giantly big deal getting a phone call from university of texas to have you come work as a quarterback coach would be a huge get for coach taylor what people don't realize or, or people that may not know football that well don't realize is like you start out as a qb coach then you kind of get moved over to the offensive coordinator and the next thing you know you're looking to be Become the head of a program somewhere. You want to be the head coach of a college football program, you're on the right track by starting out as a quarterback coach at University of Texas. Not to mention, I'm sure it'd be a ton more money. Next scene we've got is Landry reading of Mice and Men to Tim while he works out. And this whole scene just makes me laugh. I mean, the whole, as I said, these guys, comic stylings of uh, Landry Clark and, and <laughs> Tim Riggins. These guys are great together. I wish that we, we I, I feel like this might be the last time we see them, really. Oh, no, don't break my heart. Just the two of them together? Can't remember. I know that they have some more stuff in later seasons, but man, this episode with the two of them just cracks me up. They're great together. And the coach is looking at him like, what is he doing? This is the part where I, I started to get real, real mad. There's a fire in the kitchen and Matt's dad runs in there and he starts yelling at Grandma Saracen. You can't yell at Grandma, first of all, because she's so sweet. And why would you do that to your own mother? But also... You do that to somebody with dementia, they get incredibly scared. No, it, it this all the stuff with with Matt's father is really really tough in this episode. It's hard to deal with. Hard it's to hard watch. to watch, and just adding so many more layers to what we know of Matt Saracen. Like this kid doesn't have it hard enough, and now he's got this guy for a dad. Landry finishes reading of Mice and Men to Tim, and Riggins started to understand the through lines of the story, and it made me very happy. And I actually think that Tim kind of yeah enjoyed the story, but couldn't see the parallels between he and Street, didn't want to see the parallels. That's what I think it is. I don't think that he couldn't, I don't think it's that he couldn't see the parallels. I think it's that he does see the parallels and that's why at that moment, Mm. he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. Could be both. Because there's a lot of Riggins Mm. that just like doesn't want to deal with. If he doesn't want to deal with it, he just puts it out of mind. Like he didn't go see Street for six weeks because he just couldn't deal with it. So like out of sight, out of mind. Landry just starts spitting these truth bombs at Reagan's and he's like, really? You don't see the parallels? I see the parallels right now because I really, really want to shoot you right now. Great line. Landry, I feel your pain. Speaking of pain, Jason then shows up at Coach's house. God, his arms are going to get huge. He is just, he went four miles to the store. I can't even imagine how far it is from his house to Coach's house. And he's wheeling there, not, not even driving yet. And yeah. Coach isn't there. So he ends up talking to Tammy. The things that these kids tell Tammy 
And it just speaks to everything that she is and how much they trust her. But they tell her her like their deepest, darkest demons. There's a lot of heavy stuff in this episode. We, we move right from there into uh, Matt talking with his dad about potentially moving in with his Aunt Peg in Oklahoma. And this is the first time we're hearing about this. I'm sitting there going, whoa, 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 whoa. Pump the brakes there, chief. Because if Matt moves to Oklahoma, who's going to be QB1 for the Dillon Panthers? What's going to happen to Matt and Julie? Mm-hmm. I mean, what's going to happen with Matt and Landry, more importantly mm-hmm. than Matt and Julie, because I need my yeah. Matt and Landry. I'm not liking Henry Saracen. I don't like anything he does for this story. We go to the game. Again, I had this question before when Buddy Gary does on sidelines. Why is dad on the sidelines? You get in the stands with everybody else. Why is it allowed that that parent is on the sidelines at a game? When I was in high school, the parents would be like on the, uh, like behind the, the fence. So going back to what we were talking about, though, at the very top of this episode, remember we were talking about how we don't see Smash. This is the first time we see Smash right now is when he jumps up on this bench. Oh, you're right. I literally, I had I had a thought and I was thinking, we haven't seen Smash all episode. And that was right when he jumped up on the bench. And I was like, I should be a writer on this show. Then, oh man, don't pull Matt from the game. Don't pull him from the game in front of his dad. Like any other game except this game. All you're going to do is prove that all of these terrible things that his dad thinks are true. And listen, Coach is right for doing it, but I hate it. Yeah, It's moments like this where this show breaks my heart. I hate seeing it. The whole latter half of this episode is really, it's beautiful, but there's some really hard moments in there to watch. And then after the game, I was, I was confused because Matt's saying they're sending me to Oklahoma. Like it was finalized. Yeah. It's basically a done deal. And Matt says, go to hell, dad. And I almost jumped off the couch and said, yes, I loved that backbone in Matt Saracen. And I think that we as an audience are kind of relating to it as well. We all wanted to say it. Here's my next thought. I am friends with Jesse Plemons. You are friends with Jesse Plemons. I, this is the first time I've watched this episode, but I know other episodes and I know Crucifictorious. I'm a huge Crucifictorious fan. And one of my favorite things mm-hmm. to do when the show was over and we were all living in LA, there was like once or twice a month that Jesse Plemons would play at a club or at a bar, he's a brilliant singer-songwriter, plays guitar, and it would be just like Jesse and his guitar and his harmonica, and I loved those nights. Yeah. I did not know this voice lived inside Jesse Plemons. I was flabbergasted at this scene. Bruce victorious. He's multi-talented. It, it, those nights were fun. I had great times. Like, Jesse, there was one night where we probably had about 15 people come back to my place in L.A., and I was... I think I was holding on to a friend's guitar for some reason. And Jesse pulled out the guitar and tuned it up. And then he started playing. And Stephanie Hunt was there, who in later seasons plays Devin, who's also a member of Crucifictorious. And she was there and she had her violin in in her car or fiddle, I guess. So she ran out and grabbed her fiddle. And the next thing you know, I got Jesse Plemons and Stephanie Hunt playing fiddle. And some of the bandmates from Cowboy and Indian were there. We're getting like a little private concert in my own house. You had a hoot nanny at your house. And my neighbor next door heard us. He came over with his guitar and we had like a real shindig, like right in the middle of my, in, uh, my apartment. I've never been more jealous of a night at, at your place than this that I wasn't. Yeah, there. it was great. I, I, I miss those kind of nights. But that, that was something I wanted to talk about too, though, is just how talented so many different people in this cast are musically. We've already talked about mm-hmm. uh, Liz Michael and how amazing she is, Broadway-style belter voice. Stacy also is an amazing musical theater voice and just an amazing singer Thanks. in general. I used to have to pay Stacy. We'd go to like karaoke places and I would pay like the because Stacy doesn't like getting up in public. And hey, doing karaoke. It, you know what I mean? I give I give like the karaoke guy like 20 bucks and be like, hey, can you play this song? Call this name up and I would call have him call Stacy up and I'd have to pay Stacy like a hundo mm-hmm. 
to get up on stage and sing. Yeah, Stacey would get up there and sing Black Velvet and just crush. But I mean, Scott Porter's an amazing singer. Dana Mm -hmm. Wheeler Nicholson, we also got to see her play in Austin. A crazy good musician who plays Buddy Jr. later. Like Aldis is an insane violinist. The the musical talent that was living and later didn't even know at the time, but Connie Britton goes on to do Nashville and sing songs. And I was like, you you didn't say that before. Yeah, just just about being in Austin that was really, really cool is there's live music everywhere. And so on once every two weeks, one of the your castmates would be performing at one of these local bars in Austin. And so you just go up there and see one of your castmates. Oh, yeah. Like at the Continental, we would go see Dana. It was, ugh, it was heaven. Mm-hmm. Jesse played with Cowboy and Indian for a while. Cowboy and Indian is a band that is made up of Daniel James, Jazz Mills, and Jesse Plemons. And I, they were Austin-based, but those guys played around all over and toured all over. And there's a great song if you ever want to hear Jesse Plemons sing. Uh, you can find it on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your music or whatever. I'm not trying to plug Jesse here, but... We'll plug Jesse. Uh, anyway, he's got a song called uh, Trouble that I love that is constantly... It's on my uh, my iTunes replay on a, on a oh, regular basis. Um, so yeah, go check out Jesse Plemons. Cowboy and Indian is the name of the band. And it's I think it's featuring Jesse Plemons. And the name of the song is Trouble. Anyway, back to Friday Night Lights. No, sure. Wait, what? Yeah. So this scene, so we're post-football game now, post-crucifictorious, and we head back to Coach and Tammy's house, and Coach and Matt are outside. Tammy's inside with Julie. Julie says, I just don't want him to go. And I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm bawling my eyes out at this point in time. Really beautiful moment outside in, the, in this back porch with Coach. Another beautiful choice by Matt Saracen. He's sitting there. Zach Guilford's sitting there. He's got his hoodie on, wrapped around, tightened around his face. And he's just twisting his finger. Oh, yeah. And he has the, the little end part in his mouth, like yeah. chewing on it. I don't know why, but that choice, for whatever reason to me, and this is bold praise, but it's reminiscent of like Brando and all the waterfront. I'm with you. Where he picks up, he picks up the glove and he's playing with the glove throughout the whole entire thing. And it also goes back to what I think is so wonderful about Friday Night Lights, because I guarantee you, on just about any other show, they go, we want to see your face. Pull the hoodie back. Absolutely. Stop playing with the little thing. It's not going to match up in continuity. And it's like, no, that's what's so beautiful and wonderful about this show is these little teeny moments like this. Because that's what people do in moments like this. And this scene in general just breaks my heart because, you, as I said before, we don't want to see these two break up. This kid's got a life here. He's got a whole world. He here. can't go to Oklahoma. Like, come on. No. I'm bawling my eyes out. And, and Matt says to Coach, he says, Grandma's going to go into a home and I'm going to go to Oklahoma. Such a wonderful Friday Night Lights moment. Coach jumps in and he goes, hell, Buddy Garrity, he ain't going to let you cross that state line without finishing this season. He'll call out the damn National Guard if he has to. So there's this moment of levity that's brought in. And I'm sitting here bawling, going, don't make me laugh, Coach. Don't make me laugh. As I got snot bubbles coming out. But also it's a little like, he's right. Buddy would do that. Buddy Garrity has to go adopt little, little Matty Saracen. He's going to do it, you know? Yeah, I sort of like he can get emancipated. Okay, you can get emancipated and get an apartment and it'll be fine. I have your back. And then yeah. Matt says to coach, I hate my dad. And coach says, with all of the weight in the world, coach says, don't make that mistake. And it honestly makes me wonder if coach made that mistake and he doesn't want to see Matt recreate the relationship that maybe he has with his father. There, there yeah. was just a lot of weight put into that. There was so much behind what Kyle said. And then there's yeah. this last scene, another 
purely quintessential Friday night light scene, all in silence. Matt's dad putting grandma to bed. Matt just walks in and sees it and then goes into his room. Like we could, I, I wouldn't want this episode to end any other way, even though I, there's, I, I, I still have so many questions and so much stuff I want to know, but I was like, yep, you, you did it again, Friday Night Lights. Congratulations. Okay, guys, that is it for episode 11. Thank you so much for joining us, but please join us next time for episode 12 when the roller coaster ride continues for Matt, Smash, and Tyra. Until then, clear eyes. Full hearts, can't yeah. lose. Clear Eyes, Full Hearts is a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. Executive producers are Stacey Oristano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mandy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions. Our producer is Miranda Parham. Send your questions to clearEyesFullHeartsPod at gmail.com. Find us on social media. I'm Stacey Oristano on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Derek Phillips on Twitter and underscore Derek Phillips on Instagram. And check out our websites, clearEyesFullHeartsPod.com, Cadence13.com, and BlackBarrelMedia.com. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week.